Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Go to Jeremiah 31 if you wouldn't mind. It's so good to be with you in the house of the Lord. We're going to begin reading at verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Everyone say inside us. And write it in their hearts and will be their God. Someone say, thank you, Lord. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor. And every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. Let's thank the Lord for that. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us of our sin and iniquities, and you will remember them no more, and you make us welcome, great and small, into your kingdom. We ask you to bless the word, the hearer, and the preacher. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I want to talk to you for a few more minutes as we end this Words of Life series called A Covenant of Words, A Covenant of words. Has anybody ever made a covenant with anything? Remember when you were a kid, you had a tree fort and you had a little saying or you had a covenant with your friends that no girls allowed? Remember that? (laughs) Or you had something that you did that only a few of you knew about and you said, let's make a covenant that we're going to be blood brothers or blood sisters or however, whatever you did and back in those days when you were a kid, however ridiculous that might have been, you thought you were making a covenant. And the interesting thing is that our God is a covenant God. And as much as we have an innate desire to make covenants with things, I believe it comes from the Lord. I believe it, it, it finds itself out and elbows its way out of our life because we want things that are loyal. We want things that are trustworthy. We want to keep uh, the things that are, are blessed and beneficial. Uh, I, do, I do believe that God's word is trustworthy. Amen. I believe that God's word keeps us. And I believe that God keeps his word. Anybody believe that here? Anybody say amen to that? That he, if he said it, then that settles it. He's going to do it. And Jeremiah picks up here and says that he's going to be our God and we are going to be his people, that he's a God of covenant and one who makes promises. But it it takes more than just one making promises for you to have a covenant. A covenant is between two parties. And in order for there to be a covenant, both have to agree upon that covenant, either a signature or some sort of collateral or something has to be put down in a way that says, I am good for this covenant. I will honor what's said in this covenant and 
And I know that we have a covenant that is given to us by God. In fact, all the way back to the beginning with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God made covenant with man. But here in Jeremiah, he said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm going to give you a new covenant, and that new covenant is going to be written on the inward parts of you. It's going to be in your hearts, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And I thank God for a new covenant that he had given the people, that he started all over again. And this this new covenant was evidenced throughout all the men of God in the Old Testament. And, and what that talks about is that there is a place where God covenants with us and becomes our answer and, and becomes our hope and becomes everything we need him to be. And I'm great. I'm grateful for it. I'm okay with God being my Lord. Amen. I know a lot of people that are okay with God being their Savior, but they're not okay with God being their Lord. I'm okay with Jesus being my Savior and my Lord. Amen. He makes covenant with me and tells me, I want you to do this, and I want you to not do that. And I'm okay with that because I want to do what pleases him. In fact, the word covenant is actually a noun that says an agreement. There's synonyms for that, a contract, a compact, a treaty, a pact, a cord, a deal, a bargain, a settlement, all these different words, a guarantee, a warranty, all these different things are words. There's biblical covenants that actually included Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people of Israel. You know these covenants to be true. The Israeli or the Israelite priesthood had a covenant with God. The Davidic lineage of kings had a covenant with God. And, and, and from the forms of terminology of Scripture, we understand that those covenants echo to the kinds of treaties and agreement that surround the ancient world of, of, of Israel. And that those, those different covenants were beautiful. But when we get to Jeremiah, he says, I'm going to do a new covenant with the house of Israel. The most unbelievable things that God was going to do was that that he was going to be their all in all. He was going to be their God. He was going to be above everything, above every army that would come against them, above every situation that would come against them. And anybody who embraced that in faith knew that they could walk out into a situation that they were overwhelmed by and they could have God step in and do a work for them, amen? They could see armies cripple and fall at the name of Jesus. They could see things change. They could see giants fall at, at the name of the Lord. And so this new covenant was with the house of Israel. And, and most Christians believe that that new covenant was a replacement covenant or a, or a, or a final fulfillment of a covenant or the, of the old covenant. And so then there is a New Testament covenant as well in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for that covenant because I see all throughout the history of the Old Testament, God who covenanted with his people and people who wanted to covenant with God but just could not keep themselves in covenant. They fell away. Their eyes became distracted. Life became too difficult. They didn't understand the God in which they worshiped, and they fell out of covenant again and again. And although there are people that think that there is a dual theological covenant of the Old Testament covenants that are still active for the Jews, and the New Testament covenant of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that's active for the church at large, I want to tell you that he's a God of one covenant. He's a God who put into 
place a, a power and a, a glory in his church that fulfilled the old covenants and fulfilled the old laws, that Jesus came in fulfillment. And so I don't believe in two covenants. I believe in a God who is our covenant, a God who is our answer, a God who is above it all, a God who is in covenant with his people. And because of that, he puts his blood on us at Calvary. He puts his spirit in us and his word in our hearts. Same covenant like he spoke to Jeremiah, but now he does it spiritually for us. And in doing that, it allows us not to sin against God. It allows us to walk with God in ways we could never walk with God. While he was covenanting covenanting with his people, they were turning their hearts away from him. But now, through the power of the Holy Ghost, we are able to conquer sin. We are able to walk with God. We're able to make a confession with our lips and be able to go into covenant with God. And that covenant is held by God Almighty and his spirit. Amen, somebody. So thank God that we don't just have the blood of bulls and goats, as we talked about last week, but we have a God who sacrificed himself, came in flesh, and died on the cross, and so that when he speaks to us, he speaks powerful things to us, and he is the answer. Amen, somebody. Whenever Elijah got ready to do great things for God, and he began to minister, and then throughout his life, he saw all the miracles that he saw. He got, gets to a point in First Kings when it opens up different kinds of miracles that he did. But when you look at Second Kings as it opens up, there's a, a king of Samaria that falls sick and actually fell through some lattice of some sort. And he falls sick and he sends his messengers to run to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, which is, is a group of Philistines that lived in the lowlands of Judah. And later, that territory would be given to the tribe of Dan. But we understand that when they were going out to seek after the Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, a God not given to those people, but the, their, their, their false God, Beelzebub, literally meaning Lord of the Flies or Lord of the Flies. They, he went to seek and they ran into Elijah. And Elijah saw these servants of the king running to ask, am I going to get well or am I going to be sick and die? And they, he turned him around and he sent him back and said, because there is no God in Israel, because there is no God in your people, but you seek a, a strange God, you seek a false God. Go back and tell him that he's not going to get well. And so the servants turned around and came back to the king and the king said, how did you get back so soon? And he said, well, we saw a man in the wilderness and he told us that the Lord said that your answer is that you are not going to be well. You're not going to be healed. And he said, well, what kind of man was this? And he said, well, I don't know how to better explain him except for that he's a hairy man. <laughs> how would you like that description? Uh, he's a hairy man. It says it in verse 8 of First King or Second Kings chapter 1. It said, And they answered him, He was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, Well, I know who that is. That's Elijah, the Tishbite. He was known for being a hairy man. It's interesting, but still funny at the same time. And so Elijah... It's just being the man of God, and they send out 50 troops, and the Lord takes care of those 50 troops. It's very interesting what happens, and they send out another 50 troops to get Elijah, and the Lord scorches the earth with fire and takes care of them. And then the third, the third leader of the 50 troop came out, and he bowed and worshiped 
and said, don't, don't, please spare our lives. Don't, don't kill us. We, we just want to entreat you that you'd talk to the king. And, and so they, he said, the angel of the Lord told him to go with them, and they went back. And the, we find this illustration going on because they were looking for a false god. They were looking for an answer that was not God. They were steeped in idolatry. And that's what happens whenever you don't have a God who is your answer. You go looking for another answer. You go looking for another God. You don't mean to, but you create idols with your own hands that you worship. So I want you to know that we need to accept Jesus as the answer. We need to accept him as the God who does great things and that searches our hearts and knows our life and can be the answer for anything, amen, amen. that we need. He is the greatest answer. And so you see that in humankind and, and in this story that I referenced to you, they didn't just not have a God. They sought some other answer for a God. And so we do that even in our own lives, we do that. And so then we see that he calls Elisha and the great stories that happen there. And it's just one thing after another, we see covenant broken, covenant broken. And I'm thankful that I understand that I'm not a covenant person by nature, that I need the Lord to help me be a covenant man. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, that the very God of peace, everyone that say God of peace, that God of peace right there means that it originates from God. That God will give you, God left his peace with us with the power of his spirit, but that there is a peace that comes from God and sanctify you wholly. Everyone say sanctification. Sanctification is a process that comes from salvation. Sanctification is not salvation. Someone say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Sanctification is something that happens after salvation. You get saved and then you begin to be sanctified. Sanctification happens at salvation and after salvation, but it is not by itself salvation. Sanctification is what God does with us and through us when he saves us. So he says the very God of peace sanctify you wholly completely that word w-h-o-l-l-y there you see it he's talking about mind body and spirit so he breaks it down and i pray the i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the lord jesus he's like i want you to be in covenant with your god but i don't want you just to be in covenant with your spirit with god i don't want you just to be saved in your spirit or or saved in your soul which is your mind by repentance Penance, choosing and repenting or saved in your body. He said, I want you to be saved completely. Everyone say completely. He wants you to have a complete covenant with him. And so we see those three parts broken down that, that we are a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. We are two-thirds spiritual, one-third body. So in other words, you are having a spiritual experience today in a body. You're not a body that's having a spiritual. You're more spirit in your life and soul in your life, which is your mind and your emotions, than you are body. So God's like, God is dealing with this through the writer, through Paul, and he's saying, I I want you to be in covenant with me with your spirit. I want you to be in covenant with me with your soul, with your mind. And I want you to be in covenant with me with your body. That's why we repent with our soul or our mind. That's why we, we bring our body under subjection and we take it and obey the commandment to be baptized in Jesus.
Jesus' name because there is a, a work that is done. It's a physical action that has spiritual consequence. And then, of course, the Spirit of God that touches us when we're filled with his Spirit and our spirit becomes sanctified. That is what initially becomes sanctified. One old preacher used to say salvation is the most elastic word in the Bible. Because you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved someday when you go to heaven. In other words, what that breaks down to is what he's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, your spirit is sanctified instantly, and you are then a vessel of God, and you and your spirit and God's spirit has now become one, and you are married to Christ. Amen, somebody. But when that spiritual sanctification happens, then you need to let that spirit of God renew your minds. And it happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You will not change your mind on anything unless the Holy Ghost helps you change your mind. I know people that are 90 years old and they think the way they thought about it when they were 20. But then the Holy Ghost can move and God can speak to them and God can change their heart and mind and they can turn their life around and turn to God. I've seen it happen and I know God can do it. So God also talks to us and speaks to us in our mind and begins to renew our mind. Romans chapter 12 tells us about that. He said, I beseech you that you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies or be, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living. Everybody say bodies. So it matters what we do with this vessel. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everyone say holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not out of reason for you to not only present your spirit in salvation, your soul in repentance, but your body in baptism. And, and it's a reasonable service for you to give all of yourself to God in covenant with him. Amen. To give yourself to the promises of God and the words of God where he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that God knows what we need to be saved completely and to be in complete covenant with God. Amen. Amen. He wants to be in covenant with all of you, not just part of you. That's why you need repentance. That's why you need baptism to put away, the scripture says, the body of death. That you can be risen to life in Christ and then you need the power of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues because that is what gives your spirit renewal, amen? And all of you is then available for covenant with God and in consecration. So your spirit's saved instantly when you receive God's spirit. Your mind is being renewed Go on in that chapter, in chapter 12, it says, after it says, which is your reasonable service. It says in the next verse, and be not conformed, or don't be pressed into the mold of this world, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? I thought our mind was saved the instant we got saved. Here we go, salvation elastic, okay? We were saved, our spirit was saved when the Holy Ghost came in. But there is a renewing of your mind that is done by the power of the Holy Ghost. Your mind is being saved. 
So your thinking that's carnal, you have to push that down. You have to crucify the fleshly thinking. You have to pull out the carnal mind, which is enmity with God, and think on the things that are spiritual and life and on the word of God. And by doing so, God begins to covenant more and more with you in the saving process of renewing your mind. So you're saved in spirit. You're going to heaven, but your mind is still being saved. And that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then, of course, your body, that God wants our body set apart and consecrated. He's not only a God of covenant, he's a God of consecration. Amen. Consecration is a Bible word that means set apart. In the Old Testament, they had vessels that they would set apart for the use of the tabernacle and for the use of the priest. And those vessels were set apart. In fact, the scripture said in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. If you look at another translation, it says in a great house, there are vessels that are common and there are vessels that are uncommon. In other words, we get to choose whether we're in consecration and covenant with God. We get to choose whether we're going to have a common kind of lifestyle or we're going to have an uncommon relationship with the God Almighty who made heaven and earth. What a privilege, amen. Let's thank the Lord for the privilege of walking with God. Hallelujah. I want to give my body to the Lord. I want to give my mind to the Lord. I want to give all of me to the Lord. And that's what a consecration is. It's literally saying, I'm not going to use this body. I'm not going to use this mind. I'm not going to let my spirit be affected by the world or be conformed to the world, but I'm going to let it be transformed or metamorphosed is the actual Greek word, metamorpho or metamorphosis, be transformed into what God wants it to be. And that's how I will know and prove the will of God in my life. The body one day will be saved, though. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 58. Spirit saved. Mind being saved. Body will be saved. So you're going to fight this flesh all your life, just so you know. Somebody pinched themselves. Just not too hard. Just this thing right here, this flesh, is always going to be a, a warring against the spirit. Amen. You want to know why? Because our flesh is not sanctified yet. Our spirit is. Our soul and mind is being sanctified as we stay in the word of God and live by the spirit of God and led by the spirit of God. But 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says this, and behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? changed this body must take on incorruption for there for this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruption shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory over the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord or through the Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved 
beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, this is talking about working in the kingdom, yes, but it's also talking about fighting against the flesh and living after the spirit, walking after the spirit and letting your light shine and knowing that God has conquered everything, amen? And that even when we, ha when we have days that are not the best, we have days that feel depressed, and God has already given us the victory, amen? And so I want to live on the covenant of those words right there. I want to live on the fact that though some days don't feel the best, some days I have to get up and go to work, don't feel like going to work, amen? Some days I have to try to bite my tongue when I want to just say that extra little sentence that really is a zinger. Oh, there's a few of you that smiled. Some of you that are quick-tongued, amen? You know that you have to fight that. You have to push that back, and you have to say, Lord, someday I'm going to put on incorruption, but right now, help me, Jesus, to stand on your word of covenant, to stand on that word of victory that I have. I'm grateful that he's a covenant God because I know that I can be a, have a tendency to break covenant. Isaiah 24 and 5 says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. Jeremiah 11 and 10 says, And they are turned back to the inadequacies of their forefathers, which, which refused to hear my words. Everyone say his words. He said, if you refuse to hear my words, there, there's a covenant there. And they went after other gods to serve them. See, they lose their covenant when they refuse to hear the words of God. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my, what? My covenant. When you don't hear the words of God, you break covenant with God. That's what he's saying. He said, they wouldn't listen to my words and therefore they, they went searching after another answer. They went looking for other gods and there are no other gods, my friend. There is no God beside God. In fact, he said, all other gods are dumb compared to him, amen, which I made their fathers. And then verse in Jeremiah 22, 9, he says, then they shall answer because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. Notice that when you forsake God, you take on another God and you also take on slavery to those other gods. You must serve them. Romans 1, 31, without understanding covenant breakers. This is New Testament. This is still happening today. How many can see people that are covenant breakers, that are without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful? There, there's In Romans 32, there it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, he's saying that it causes spiritual death. It causes death in our life. Sure, there's places where people that have sinned have put themselves in harm's way, and we know that their life was cut short because of the sin in our life, but he said that the wages of sin is death in another portion of Scripture, and that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. It wasn't that God just 
just wanted a bunch of animals sacrificed. It was that they were a sacrifice that was a substitute for the death that was supposed to take place. And so then when Jesus comes, he says, I'm your answer and I'm your substitute and you should not look for another. That's why he's, it's okay that God's a jealous God because he's offered us so much compared to what we had. He's offered us so much compared to how low we were. He's brought us up to high places through the sacrifice and of his self and through the blood of Jesus Christ and that we have now the opportunity through his blood and our testimony to be an overcomer, amen? amen. To be an overcomer. And so he said, I'm, I'm jealous of you. I don't want you to go after gods who cannot help you, gods who cannot hear and gods who are dumb and deaf. And so Jesus opens the Last Supper with the words that we know are famous in Matthew 26 in verse 26 or 39. I'm going to start there and he went a little further. I'm sorry, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it. Look at the cycle there. The Bible says in John that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. And we beheld the only begotten of the Father. And the word is bread to our life. And we should not only live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You guys know these verses. But look at the example there. Jesus in the Last Supper exemplifies the stages of the cross. When he says Jesus took the bread himself and he blessed it blessed by when John the Baptist baptized him he he was blessed Jesus was blessed and said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and then he break it and then he was broken on the cross amen and then he gave it to his disciples take eat this is my body in other words what he's saying is not cannibalistic here what he's saying is this is the pattern that I'm going to walk through this is the pattern of my covenant with you I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to be the bread of life and you're going to recognize me as the word that you can eat and that sustains you. And then you're going to see that I am blessed of God, that I am blessed because I'm walking in the eternal will of the Spirit of God. And then you're going to see me be broken for you. And I'm going to be broken on that cross of Calvary. And I'm going to not only be broken, but I'm going to take a crown of thorns so that you can have a crown of life. And I'm going to take stripes on my back so that you can be healed. Amen. We heard about a healing in this place today and that healing was brought to us because of the stripes of Jesus Christ because for Roy God said I'm going to go to that whipping post because one day in, in 2019 Roy's going to stand up and say this is gone and that's gone and the reason why it's gone he said for by my stripes you were healed Roy you weren't healed this last week or this last month you were healed at Calvary when Jesus took those cross those stripes for you he said you were healed there and we're just just seeing it now. Amen. Thank God for the word of his covenant and that we are covenant people in his word. That we know that whatever God says, it's already settled. It's already done. And I can take it and I can use it and I can break it and I can be nourished by it and I can live on it. Amen, someone. And so we know that being a covenant God, that he's not just a noun covenant God in treaty with us and in in agreement with us, but also he's a verb covenant God. And a verb covenant God is an agreement by lease or deed or legal contract 
the landlord covenants to repair the property. Do you understand that we were formed of the dust of the ground and we are God's property? I love this. Sorry, I've referenced this the last three times I've preached, and I apologize. But this is in this series. And we are born of the, he, he made us from the dust of the ground. He got his hands, he formed us because God wants his hands in our life, amen? Not physical hands, of course, we know it's metaphorical, but he wanted to be attached to what he did, his work. And then he breathed the breath of life into us, and we became living souls. And then when man fell, God issued four curses. And one of the curses was to Satan or Lucifer in snake form and he said you're going to eat of the dust of the ground all your life and if you think that Satan hasn't increased in strength I want to just tell you I know we're above him we are conquerors we're more than powerful over him but he is increasing in strength by saying that curse that he's going to eat of the dust of the ground meant that Lucifer shall eat of flesh all his days and he's gaining strength the reason why is because of that curse not only was he a serpent in, in, the, in, 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 the, in the garden of Eden but when you look in Revelation, now he's a dragon. He's increasing in flesh, increasing in consumption. He's taking whoever he can with him to, to his place of curse. And I want you to know that I stand above that. We stand above that by the power in the name of Jesus. But we also need to understand that even though he brings a curse into this world, and even though Lucifer is working to consume as much flesh as he can, to consume of the dust of the ground, there is something even greater that I see, that when we step into the salvation of God, that when we walk into the blood of Jesus Christ and our sins are forgiven us and he puts his name on us in baptism and we understand that we're sealed by the Holy Ghost and the enemy cannot touch us. He cannot kill us. He cannot take us out. We are in the hand of God and nothing shall separate us from God. When that happens, we also need to understand that he becomes our landlord. He becomes the owner of this property. He becomes the owner of my mind, my body, and my spirit. And when he does that, that means that he's responsible to prepare everything and every curse that I walked into my salvation with. So when I come to the Lord, I feel like preaching today. I don't care how broken my life was. I don't care how messed up I was. When I walk into my salvation covenant with Jesus Christ, I live on the words of covenant, and he begins to repair the property as the landlord of my life. Amen, somebody. Oh, it's so good. I'm just thankful that I don't know how, I don't have to know how to repair everything. I don't have to know how to walk out of every single situation. I don't need a sociology degree and a psychology degree to get my mind right. I could just get into the word of God and he begins to renew my mind and rewire it and reprocess me in a way that becomes holy. Amen, someone. Thank God for salvation that doesn't just give me a ticket to heaven, but that begins to work on all of me. Salvation's holistic, amen? <laughs> I won't go any further on that. <laughs> I'll just stop there. You go ahead and I'm just going to quit on that part. But I'm thankful that God said, I want to use you. I, I, I want to finish with just a quick story that Peter's in Acts chapter 8 and he's hanging out in Joppa. And while he's in Joppa, he gets hungry and he goes up on a rooftop. And 
while he's on the rooftop, he has a vision. And that vision is all of these different things that are supposed to be common, as he says. And those common things are, are amazing. So he's, he falls into a trance on this rooftop. And you can see in Acts 10, verse 10 through 16, it says that, if I can find the verse, I, excuse me for a second, I apologize, Acts 10. And it says, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened up in a certain vessel descending unto him. It was like a sheet, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts for of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowl of the air. And there came a voice unto him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. He was a Jew. He was a devout Jew. He didn't eat that stuff because of the law in Leviticus. He knew better than to do that. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Whatever God has cleansed, don't you dare call it common. And so what I love about that passage is the fact that Peter was arguing with God about his traditions, and God said, your traditions have no place here whenever I've done the work, amen? Whenever I've cleansed somebody. And what that tells me is that God's covenant of change is so powerful that he makes covenant breakers. And he makes those that don't know how to walk with God, he makes them covenant keepers, amen? He makes them people that know how to keep their covenant with God through the covenant of the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their testimony. We know Revelation tells us that, he's going to, that we're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony in Revelation 12 and 10. It said, and I heard the loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength to the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ and for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. In other words, he said, my covenant was strong enough in blood and my covenant is strong enough through their tests that they became testimonies. And so I can tell you that I have overcome through the blood of the lamb and through the power of my own testimony. And that if you're going through something, it's just a test. And if you stay faithful to God, it will turn into a testimony and you'll conquer new tests over the old testimonies. You'll conquer old new troubles over the blood of the lamb that's on your life. And one day you'll stand at the end and look back and say, it was the covenant of his blood. It was the covenant of his word. It was the covenant of the things he got me through as I stood on the word of God to keep me in covenant so that I got through my test and became a testimony to God. Amen, somebody. So the choice is that we choose whether we're in covenant with God or not. You choose whether or not you will be consecrated to God in mind, body, and spirit. And, in, and, and when it talks about those, those vessels in the Old Testament of being 
of honor and dishonor. One translation says they're common and uncommon. That in a big house, there's going to be folks that, that are just okay with sprinkling God over their life. But there's other folks that are going to be uncommon. There's other folks that are going to be vessels of honor that want God to be central to their life. They want God to be all of their life and that they'll walk with God. That in that large house in 2 Timothy 2 and 20, it says in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay and of special purposes. Some are com uh, for common use and others are for uh, and others for uncommon use. What God wants to do in these last days is uncommon. I promised you I'm hearing from the Holy Ghost right now. For the last two weeks, I've been praying for spiritual breakthrough, and we are feeling that spiritual breakthrough in this house, but I want you to know what God has yet to do is going to be so uncommon. We are going to be so, un, uh, so un, unfamiliar with what he's going to do because he's a God that's going to go to the Gentiles. He's going to go to places that we had, cannot even imagine him going and pulling out people from hurts and pains and struggles and trials and difficulties. And I believe he's going to do an uncommon thing. And the reason why God chided Peter when he was saying, no, no, I've never eaten an uncommon thing when that, when that, when that tent came down or that, that, that sheet came down, it was talking about the fact that God was going to go to the Gentiles, the, the uncommon ones, the ones that he thought would never have God save them, that he was going to go to, and he already was going to Cornelius's house. The angel already arrived. And now Peter was being prepared to go to them and he preached the gospel and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. All of that happened because he decided that, no, I'm not going to call it common. I'm not going to call it just the, the things that I see from my tradition, but he let himself go and he let himself see what God wanted to do and God moved in an uncommon way. God is calling us to an uncommon move of God. People we never thought could get saved are going to get saved. People we never thought would come back to God are going to come home. Prodigals we never thought would turn around are going to come back to God because he's a God of covenant and he covenants in an uncommon way and he covenants with uncommon people. I don't care if you've been in the church 45 years and you know everything about search for truth in the Bible. If you've been in the church for one week, both of you are going to see the revival of God. Those who have been in the church for 45 years are qualified for an uncommon move of God. Those who have been in the church for a week are qualified for an un uncommon move of God and there shall be great things happen in our midst. Amen. Stand to your feet if you wouldn't mind because I believe God's going to do it. I believe God's going to do it. We watched this as the word of faith went forward at this conference and people believed and people were healed and things changed and I've had several ex spiritual experiences. I was having trouble with my back and I went, to, I went to a service two weeks ago and I just said, Lord, I give it to you and I felt a tingling start from the back of my neck and two, two vertebrae in my neck popped. I wasn't doing anything. I was just standing there just weeping before the Lord. I said, Lord, I need this back pain to go away and two vertebrae popped in my neck and tingling went all the way down my back and a heating sensation at my lower back and I have had no problems with my hips going out since then. I've had no problems. There's been no pain in that area and I've been going to the chiropractor for over two years for that area and I have no pain in that area. We walked all around St. Louis and no pain. God healed me in that moment but it was while the word of God was going forward. It was while the covenant of the word was taking place. It was while we were being reminded of what God can do and will do for us. It was in that moment that supernatural 
supernatural things happen. And while Peter yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to fall in this house right now while the word is still being preached. God wants to fall on us and he wants to heal things you thought would never be healed and he wants to change things you thought would always just be the way it is but no God's going to do an uncommon work in you today come on let's praise the Lord together let's open this altar and come if you have a need in your body in Jesus name I pray right now God heals you amen that God heals you in this uncommon moment and move of God Jesus move on us I pray help our hearts to be open to it Help our lives to be open to it. Let our minds not be closed off to it. Let us not try to analyze it, but let us just release ourselves to the power of God right now that's in this room. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's begin to respond to the Lord. You, you worship however you want to right now. If you want to sit, if you want to lay, you do whatever you need to do to show God that I want an uncommon move of God in my life. I don't want just an everyday occurrence. I don't want to just meet with him on a Sunday, but I want him to show up in the boardroom. I want him to show up in meetings at work on Monday. I want him to show up when I wake up in the morning and when I lay down at night. I want God to be in my life in an uncommon way. He's called you uncommon. He's called you into covenant. Let the word of God minister to you today. Let the word of God minister to you today. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you.